Good evening. The Literacy View is back, and we are so excited tonight to discuss Tim Shanahan's recent article. It's posted on Timothy Shanahan blog, and he is a professor of literacy and literacy instruction. He served on the National Reading Panel way back in the year 2000, and he had some really great points to make in this article. So we will begin with either Faith or Judy. All right, I'll start off. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Faith Borkowski. It's a pleasure to be back with you. I am a consultant and author. And uh, I have followed Shanahan on literacy for years now. And I would say this is probably one of my favorite articles that I've read. Uh, it's entitled, um, What Do You Think of Phonics First or Phonics Only in the Primary Grades? And uh, what's interesting to me is there's a lot of controversy around this term. So I just want to say that, um, you know, this probably came about years ago. I remember this being a discussion on Twitter um, probably at least five years ago, where people were using the term uh, first, fast, and only, phonics first, fast, and only. And I know that came about to stop cueing and guessing. That was why it was used. And then there were people who were very much against this term saying, oh, it's phonics only. No, that's not what the intention was when this first came out. It was really because there was no phonics in sight in schools at all. And um, I think uh, Dr. Shanahan made that very clear in this article that in the 70s and 80s, and that's when I began teaching in 1982, there was no phonics in the schools at all, at all. I wasn't trained in phonics, even though I have a master's in reading. Um, I'm sure both of you probably had similar experiences. And so when that term came out, that was really to stop the cueing and guessing. But it, of course, it has morphed into something else where now it's this pendulum that goes back and forth. So I'm going to turn it over to Judy. And uh, Judy is in the schools right now. And I'm sure there is this controversy going on about too much phonics, uh, which I think, again, uh, needs to be discussed. All right. So Judy Boxner here. Yes. I'm still working in the schools. However, all views that I speak about today are nobody else's views except my own. I do not represent any school system or anything. This is Judy Boxner herself. She here, here I am. <laughs> 25 years later, I'm still here. This is year 25 for me. Year gray hairs. <laughs> How many? I, I said I see some gray hairs. No, actually, no. Look at my highlights. <laughs> kidding, kidding. And it's on a work night. Look how my hair looks after working all day. You look gorgeous. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So, you know, I got to give a kudos to um, um, 
Tim Shanahan, who I've seen at uh, many of our presentations on our team. And he's somebody that, you know, in general, a lot of people in the literacy world follow. And you know what? When he said, let's not sink the boat, I think he's really onto something. So, you know, I think it's really important that right now we are prioritizing making sure that the foundational skills are a priority. Because I think for too long, we were trying to find balance, but we were all over the place and we were not making sure that enough of our kids were strong in our phonemic awareness skills and phonics skills. However, I think Tim did another great job. He talked about that famous rope, the rope that everybody's talking about. It's posted on bulletin boards. It's uh, if you Google science of reading, that Scarsborough rope. That rope doesn't only have one piece. That rope was designed to address the five pillars of literacy instruction. And I think that's a very important reminder to everybody, whether they're in the United States watching us, Canada, Australia, China, wherever. Mary, you have the data usually. Where are our viewers? They're <laughs> all over the world, Judy. Woo! <laughs> so, you know, I think that's a really important point. Let's not sink that boat. We have an opportunity to get it right. There's too many kids in our country and all over the world that have not broken the reading code. However, reading is not just being able to decode words. What is the ultimate goal of reading? It's to be able to decode those words and understand what you know the book, the pick, the the book or the message of the story is, right? And that's my wrap for right now. Until the bullshit comes. <laughs> nah, you know I'm a little sad. I got my little button, but my bullshit. Wait, was that yours? Of course. <laughs> See, Faith has the upper hand. Her bullshit button's working. Mine's not, but I'm still going to press it just to mess around. Let me do it. Ah, it lit up, but it's not doing anything. Anyway. You can, you can, you can say it for your button. <laughs> I love this Tim Shanahan article as well. And I loved how he began. He, he began his writing with a hook about this boat on uh, one of the Great Lakes, one of the biggest disasters in Great Lakes maritime history. So that I, something I didn't know, and so it hooked me right away. But he ends the article going back to the ship. He said, if we all run to one side of the boat, like they did on this in this historic tragedy, all the women and children and, and men too, but mostly children died. Uh, they rushed to one side of the boat and then the boat listed to its side and it sank. I think um, parents and teachers have to know that really reading acquisition occurs when a baby before they're even born because they're hearing language. Uh, what can we do in the schools though? Background building is the most essential part of the reading rope beside decoding. So, so yes, K through two, there should be a, a great emphasis on decoding. But I love Shanahan at the end of his article, he gives uh, teachers and principals what he thinks would be a really good structure. So he said 30 minutes a day on uh, teaching phonics 
And then 30, uh, 30 minutes should be devoted to the other parts of reading like vocabulary and comprehension. So many of our students are coming to school from disadvantaged backgrounds. So they do not have the same background experiences, of course, as many of the middle class or the upper middle class uh, children do because they're taken to places and they're talked to. So in schools, it's really important teachers and principals, first of all, that we get out of the school and we take field trips that you um, try to engage in wonder by posing a question and project-based learning. So all of this background building, and I do it with my students that I currently have, it's, it is really, really essential because unless you understand, and you can decode all of the words. So, so Shanahan brings up an interesting point. He said, um, that some of the kids, oh, that were given loads and loads and loads of decoding, they were expected to achieve at great levels. And shockingly, they didn't. So when they were given reading tests, he said, um, it said the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development found that once instruction had successfully raised kids to average decoding ability, levels that should have resulted in successful reading, more than half of the readers still struggled. Decoding, decoding was essential, but insufficient for success. So we, have to, we have to be building vocabulary. And that was my big problem with um, the teacher college things too, because we weren't building any kind of vocabulary. So I don't know if I agree with that, but I well, know has something to add. To. Well, I agree with that. And I agree with what you're saying there. And you actually uh, took the words right out of my mouth because I was just going to jump in and say, what I think is really important to recognize is, you know, I think teachers are saying, well, there's no more comprehension anymore because the focus is on phonics. But quite honestly, what type of comprehension instruction was going on before? If the comprehension focused around just right books, leveled books at their just right level, they were not really reaching the levels that they could reach. There was mispotential there for many children because they honestly could have been in books with richer language and more vocabulary, more content. And I think that is um, a faulty way of looking at teaching comprehension as well is to focus on the leveled books. And like you said, Mary, you know, it's really critical for children um, who do not come from literacy rich households to be able to get language vocabulary building, all these things early on from the moment they come into kindergarten, along with really um, strong phonics instruction. And we're not even talking about a specific program, but just quality phonics instruction along with building that other domain, like Judy said, really looking at 
the rope, looking at the simple view of reading, which has been, you know, also downplayed on Twitter as something that's too simplistic. Mm. But if you really understand what it means, understanding what the simple view is, that there's more that goes into each domain. And if teachers are really um, working with both parts, and as Tim Shanahan said, two to three hours of instruction, reading instruction a day, not phonics instruction, but two to three hours of comprehensive reading instruction at the tier one level, that's really important. And just, you know, I wanna throw this in too, we don't wanna confuse intervention where it's targeted with phonics um, and throw that into the same category as tier one. Tier one should be really comprehensive. Intervention yeah. should be targeted. And that's when you could narrow the scope for kids who truly need it. Yeah. And, you know, I would say Judy, Judy, your, your sound your audio is, um, yeah. Just, just fix your audio a bit or talk closer to your computer. Can you hear me now? Oh, it's a little bit low. No, it's a little low. Can't be adjusted. Okay. While you're doing that. What about right now? It's in and out. You're a little bit in and out. I don't know check, why. Check your connection and then we'll fill in the gap to keep it going. Okay, check your connection. How um, so, so Shanahan is, is uh, really concerned because the press and the media are going crazy over the whole phonics, phonemic awareness, decoding. And then there are programs being packaged and marketed all over, but again, he, Shanahan points out, and he quotes a researcher in the article, that this is an interactive, this is an interactive process. So, so it's going on at the same time. Hello, Judy. I'm so. Okay, go ahead, Mary. While Judy's adjusting, go okay, ahead. Okay, so, so America, China, Israel, Australia, <laughs> I'm back. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes. Let, you, let Mary just finish what she was saying and then you'll jump. Sounds in. great. That's okay. It was just an, it's just an interactive, it's not just a, it is an interactive process. So all of these things have to occur simultaneously. So we should be teaching phonics, but we should also be building vocabulary around content rich. The kids in school should be learning about real events and real places in the world. And, and so we have, there's, there are many uh, purveyors of that curricula where you can get core content and kids leave school knowing something as opposed to finding the main idea or doing vocabulary exercises. All right, so for me, I think what I felt was it becomes like a thinking of what came first, the chicken or the egg? And what's more important, comprehension or phonics? And I think the main point that I got out of it is you can't choose which one is more important, yes, we have not done a good enough job teaching students how to decode. 
We haven't done a good enough job for a long time teaching teachers the science of reading and how words work. I'm a million times better now as an educator than I was probably seven or eight years ago. I know all the syllable types now. When children come to a point of difficulty, I'm able to help them problem solve words so much better. However, I think what came out of this for me is that the five pillars of literacy instruction, and we keep saying vocabulary, 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 yes. But what about phrasing and fluency and teaching students how to sound and change their voice when they see punctuation? And I know that, you know, some people don't believe in reading behaviors, but guess what? I do, because that's part, part of the gradual release model where we show kids what to do when they're troubleshooting, when we show kids how to point to the words or to track words with their eyes and so forth. So I think it's really important to understand that for a brain to be a successful reader, all those pieces have to come together. And, you know, I, I'm worried that, you know, I don't want there to be a generation of kids that are really great at decoding, but don't understand what they're reading. And I think it's a slippery slope. And I guess that was maybe the initial theory behind balanced literacy to include read alouds, to include shared reading. And quite frankly, I think those pieces are still an important part of our literacy block and yes, phonics is important, but another really important thing is that those skills aren't toward in isolation and that we teach students how to transfer those skills. We can't sink the ship. We cannot sink the ship. We fail too many times. The pendulum has swung uh, in my 25 years. This is already probably, the, now this is the second swing or the third swing. We gotta get- But, but, but the balance was never there, Judy. That, that's the problem. They called it balanced literacy, but it was not balanced at all. And, you know, it was, heavy, it was heavy in one direction and even that direction wasn't taught well. I mean, that's, you know, if you wanna really pick this apart, um, quite honestly, I don't think kids were getting um, great comprehension instruction either. I know what you're saying with fluency and I'm all about what you're saying in terms of that piece, but let's not confuse reading behaviors the way the definition is um, in some published programs and um, books. You know, a behavior really is watching a child, um, it, but that's not should not be confused with fluency. You know, I want to just make that clear that well, those are two well, different things. Showing how to be phrased and fluent and showing how to read a sentence instead of sounding robotic is yes. part of right, right. And they can't they can't be fluent readers unless they've broken the code. A thousand, right. a thousand. But the the I guess the gist of that I took away from uh, Dr. Shanahan's article is that we do background building is so essential. So if you are, are reading about a topic, you are painting a picture for those kids. Uh, I had a student today and it was about, the passage was about tea and we, we went through the history of tea and uh, talked all about the different variants between China and Japan and all of that. To understand, you have to have background knowledge. It's really, um, and that begins with parents are probably wondering, well, how in the world do I do this? 
Um, I have a granddaughter and she, I talk to my son and daughter-in-law a lot that really when you're on your walk outside and you're feeling the trunk of a tree, what is bark? We were on a beach in Florida and she found there was a woman with a loggerhead baby turtle hatchling. So we started reading all these books about loggerhead turtles. But even if you're in not great part of the city, you don't have money to take your kids to a farm, you go outside and you ask your child, what do you wonder about? Like, why, why is the grass green? Or you, but, but parents can build background as well. And so when teachers send home passages to read, parents, you can talk about, well, what does this mean? And maybe you go to, to YouTube and get a video for kids. Maybe you look up something uh, on the internet that gives them some more background. But that's what Shanahan, I think, is talking about. We must teach them to decode, but simultaneously in K-1-2, they should also be learning uh, how to understand. And you understand by making links between your lived experience and things you've read and things you've seen. I think the teacher question that actually um, you know, initiated this blog in the first place showed that uh, many schools are going in this direction of just focusing so much on phonics, again, a necessary component, but clearly this teacher in, in the question demonstrated uh, through her words that uh, there's something different going on in her building. So, I mean, I have the question right here and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's upsetting to think that um, schools are taking this to a point of ignoring some of the important components. Here, here's her point. At my school, the district in service has made a big deal out of Scarborough's rope. Now a big deal shows me that the way it was presented probably wasn't right in the first place, yeah. but all right. Nevertheless, when it comes to daily instruction, we, the primary grade teachers, have been told that decoding is the most important thing and that we are to emphasize that. Now, it is really important yeah. in, in, in uh, the primary grades, but apparently it's being done in a way where they feel that that's the only thing they should be doing. Or again, this could be a situation of telephone where it started out one way but then it morphed into something else by the time it got to the classroom teachers. And it says here, they've sent us to letters training, purchased instruct instructional programs on phonics and require testing students nonsense word fluency frequently. You know, when she said this, I could, with a tone like, oh, those nonsense words, you know? Um, but again, not really understanding the purpose. And I think, you know, it's 
Clearly the district provided letters training, but maybe it was just misinterpreted because I know that letters training covers all the components and yet somehow it morphed into this. That's upsetting to me. At what grade levels is it appropriate to teach the language comprehension portions of the rope? I mean, I would think that during the letters training, all, Mary, right, all would have been the clear answer from the beginning. So I guess my question to both of you is, how did we get here? How, how, how did we get to this point? I think part of it is because for so long, I'll be honest with you, and we all saw it, and I'm sure you saw it in your career, and Mary, you probably saw it. For a very long time in educational history, a lot of kids were problem solving using pictures. And that was not a good practice. I did it years ago. I, I sang about it on episodes. I did too. That pictures and words are, are good friends. They help you when you're reading till the end. And I sang and I chanted. And it was not a good practice. I don't care if it, you were doing Lucy or reading recovery or what you were doing. It doesn't matter. It wasn't good. And I'll own up to it. It wasn't good because for very long, we were telling kids to look at a picture and then they crashed and burned when they got older and they, there was no more pictures and kids were just guessing and they were, uh, you know, a kid might've come from a different country and the word might've been a uh, potato, but they never, in their language, the word is not potato. And they were just looking at the P and then kids were guessing. And we didn't do a good enough job teaching kids how to decode a word. And that's, you know, that was a bad habit systematically throughout the country, the world. And bad habits are very hard to break. And I think that we're all breaking out. And I broke out of the habit for a couple of years. And I'm sure you guys are ahead of me. But, you know, bad habits are hard to break and it takes time. But I think the other thing is we have to be mindful. Education, sometimes companies are a business and publishers are pushing this and they're pushing that. And I think Tim brought that to the attention. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. Look at what your data in that classroom is telling you. Look at the needs of the kids. If the kids are doing really well with the decoding skills, is that going to be all that you're focusing on? No, you're going to shift. And the other thing is, you know, just because kids, yay, they mastered decoding nonsense words or real CBC words. And the theory behind nonsense words is because, you know, that shows that, you know, you're not problem solving by memory. You're really able to know how words work. But just because you know how to decode a nonsense word doesn't mean you're going to transfer it and be a great reader. There's still going to be issues. So I think, you know, I think... What is that called? Are we going through a revolution or what, what would be a great word to term it? You guys probably have a better word. Well, I think his point was in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and here we are in 2022. It's, it's a complete like a modulation, like a wave. We keep going. We're not, we're not really making a ton of progress because it goes shift, 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 shift. So what how, do we do? We, how did we get here? To go back to your question, Faith. We got here because school districts uh, bought with hundreds of millions of dollars uh, a program uh, or a philosophy that wasn't based on science. There was absolutely no phonics taught, 
Okay, let's just take the cloak off. No phonics was ever taught with balanced literacy. How can we make such a generalization? That is no, because you know what? Because, because, um, because we know what the results are. And, and I was a practitioner for 32 years in a classroom, but I still am. Hold on, let me finish my thought. So we got here because we weren't doing any phonics. So he, he even says back in the 90s, it was nearly impossible to find contemporary high quality article on phonics teaching. Um, they just, they didn't want to do it because we had a big publishing company that sold a story. So, so the, the administrators and districts were hoodwinked saying, oh gosh, wouldn't it be great if everybody just picked up a book and read? Yes, that would be awesome, but that's not how it happens. And, and what he says, it's, it, it is, uh, this is not, should not be shrouded in mystery. You know, we should be teaching. This is this is the formula Tim Shanahan proposes. 30 minutes of phonics, 30 minutes where you're talking about vocabulary, background building, you're doing fluency, you're you're giving each one of those blocks a 30-minute time frame. Does that mean that they're all segmented and separate? No. They're, they're all interwoven, maybe with one topic. Um, when kids are able to decode, so, you know, I have friends who have asked, what about when they get to third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade? Well, guess what? They should still be learning morphology. So the meaning of word units, they should be learning prefixes and suffixes, Latin bases and Greek uh, combining forms. They should, teachers should be trained in that because if they can read Latin and Greek bases, they're going to be able to decode and understand about 60% of the uh, words that are used in the English language. So it doesn't stop with K through two. 100%, 100%. And you wanna know something, what you said about this being interwoven. I mean, honestly, when you're doing vocabulary, the first step in learning a word is to be able to hear it and say the sounds. I mean, that's what kind of maps to your brain, listening to the word and thinking about the sounds and the syllables, and then going further into um, making it your own, right? To, to go into that higher level where a child uses the word, not just hears it, but actually can use it in his or her own vocabulary. Um, I also wanna say, um, something about what you mentioned, Mary, in terms of the publishers. The publishers are going to respond to the market. That's exactly what Tim Shanahan brought out. That, you know, they're going to, you know, provide what people want to buy. So if they're seeing, oh, phonics, 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 now there's this going to be this shift to phonics. Again, a good thing, but you can't ignore the other parts. So I, I like the boat analogy. I mean, I even used a boat analogy in a blog I wrote a while ago, and it was really about burning the boats. Yeah. And so um, my thought was whatever keeps coming back that's not working, it's time to end it. Stop 
going back and um, as a safety net to what was and it didn't work. We have to move ahead. And the only way we can move ahead is to leave behind what does not work and to focus on what does. So I think we should probably just wrap up with some last words here. So um, Judy, do you wanna start? Sure, so like I was saying, and like I strongly believe, we need to do better worldwide with helping our kids decode words and know that, not, that words aren't fully tricky. A lot of our language is not tricky. So let's know it. Let's do this. We got it. Let's look at that data and let's see what our students need. And, you know, I, I want to know a little bit more. Tim's probably written about it a lot and so forth, but I want to know, and I'm hoping he's listening, um, what his feeling on small group instruction and how his message would translate directly into small group instruction. So I hope that soon enough he'll write a blog about that. I think I kind of know. Um, I, you I know. think I've heard, but I would love to hear it again. You want to yeah. tell me? Well, maybe that's believes, the next. He believes in guided reading. That I know. Right. But guided right. reading, not with a capital G, capital R, that was taken over by some authors. Okay. And we'll uh, talk about that our next episode. Okay. Or, you know, whenever, another time. But um, I, I just know that he believes there is some value with small group instruction, but not the way it is going on. In and then the last thing that I want to just say that, you know, it is a time of change and change is not easy and bad habits are hard to break. Please, everybody listening, please just remember that there's five pillars of literacy instruction plus writing and instruct kids in all because those skills don't just transfer automatically. It's a process. That's it. And Mary? Go ahead, Faith. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm going to say I'm really sad that I didn't get a chance to use this because we all seem to kind of be on the same track this time. But I have to look at it now. So... <laughs> I'm a kid and I want to have fun. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, um, I, I think this was a really good discussion. I think that we all appreciate the article and I do hope that more people will see um, the article with some nuance. I, I think people are quick to jump and say, oh, this doesn't fit in with my mindset. Um, you know, he's, you know, burying the whole idea of phonics now. And then you have the other side and, you know, we keep going back and forth, but I do think he gave both areas a fair shot. I really do think it was written well and, and written in a way that um, I think could truly help in the schools. I, I, I was pleased with it. Awesome. Mary? You know, what I've loved about how uh, he ended his article, he, he writes, if you don't think that I'm right about this, look at the evidence. And he gives uh, several references. So Jean Schnall, the Harvard professor and what she wrote, uh, she said, it's never delivered, phonics instruction is never delivered in a vacuum. I loved it. He quotes Marilyn Jager Adams, 
he he talks about Hollis Scarborough's Scarborough's rope. So so administrators and teachers, uh, when you read this, maybe dig a little bit deeper if you have time um, to one with one of the the uh, references that he suggests. And um, I I think that um, I think this was a really good discussion, and we covered. Uh, all the bases. Um, and I, you know, and I hope that, you know, to, uh, Dr. Shanahan asked that this article be shared. He hopes teachers read it and share it with their administrators. And uh, I hope that happens too, because, um, because we, we really do know it works. There's not a mystery recipe. Uh, if we, if, we, if we do it, follow the recipe, the reading recipe, and do it artfully and masterfully, we will have readers. But as long as we keep dipping our fingers in all these different pies and um, really allowing publishers to drive what the content is for our students, then we're, we're never gonna make any progress. So we have to stop this low literacy. Wait, Mary, tell them where to follow us and where to find us. <laughs> so, so we are on YouTube, but we also have a podcast. So you can listen to the Literacy View on your favorite podcast. And we know that there are other uh, uh, shows like this, but we find that we're pretty... Uh, unique and individual because we have a threesome. We really banter back and forth. We want it to be practical and uh, applicable to teachers and parents and administrators. And we want to use humor. Uh, and we're not afraid to call out BS. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> and on that note, we will see you next time. <laughs> Good night. Good night, literacy world. <laughs>